This is the Crushing the Myth podcast produced by Talking Taiwan, and I'm your host, Felicia Lin. Crushing the Myth is an Asian-American speaker series featuring stories that make people listen, learn, and get inspired. This week's Crushing the Myth features a talk by Eva Ding. Let's give it a listen. My name is Eva Ding. I'm a flutist and also a bit of a stage hop. What can I say? I like to perform and this whole quarantine thing has made it extremely difficult to find an audience. In this modern day of technology and video conferencing and Wi-Fi, the natural inclination for us performers is to live stream our concerts. But it'd be absurd to try and completely replicate an experience that is really supposed to be enjoyed live. So I've tried to come up with a new way of engaging and involving my audiences by not only playing the program, but also providing context for the pieces. You're going to hear a lot of lounge concerts, so I want to help you all understand all the music that's going to be coming out during this time. To me, every piece of music tells a story. Take, for example, a piece you may be hearing many times during both quarantine and hopefully live concerts, Debussy's Syrinx. Not many solo pieces were written for the flute at the time of Syrinx's inception in 1913. In fact, the only other solo flute piece of note was a Bach sonata written 150 years prior. The way that Syrinx is written leaves much room for interpretation, emotion, and breath, both on the player's part and the part of the audience. Here's a taste. paintings. Every brushstroke as haphazardous as it may seem turns out to all be an integral part of the whole. This kind of perspective should also be applied when listening to this short piece. Don't get bogged down by the details but revel in the ambiance and emotion it creates. Likewise, to be able to dig further into how to go about listening to this piece, we must first look at it broadly and then pinpoint specific areas of interest to listen out for. You'll notice immediately that the piece doesn't fit nicely into any particular key. When you listen to a piece of classical music written by, say, Mozart, there's always a feeling of going from home, out towards a neighbor, then ultimately back home. Debussy, instead of utilizing a set key in Syrinx, uses a mixture of a whole tone scale, and chromatic scales. used in every dream sequence you ever hear in a movie. He also uses pentatonic scales, which are a key element in folk music of different cultures and evocative of exotic, faraway, mysterious lands. The myth of Syrinx itself tells of a young man Syrinx, who is desperately trying to escape from the unwanted pursuits of the Greek god Pan. Syrinx begs some rivermans to help hide her and then transform her into hollow reeds by the riverbank. 
When Pan emerges and doesn't find the object of his affection, he sighs, and the sigh rustles through those reeds, creating a haunting sound. Taken by that sound, Pan cuts the reeds in turn killing his love and binds them, creating the first set of Pan pipes. He then sits by the river and plays, sadly mourning the loss of the beautiful syrinx. Now I think that this is the point at which this piece picks up from. This piece is Pan's lament to the death of syrinx. played many times throughout this piece. Sometimes exactly the same, other times change. This is what we call, and I apologize for bringing back memories of Year 12 English studies, a thematic motif. Here it is again. The first time you hear it at the very beginning of the piece, it's simple. Almost like Pan is testing out the sound quality and the range of his newly made instrument. I'm hoping you'll be able to recognize the second iteration of the motif as it comes immediately after the first, but this time it flourishes and propels us straight into the bulk of the piece. In the middle section of Syrinx, it almost feels like Pan is recalling the whole event that led to this bitter moment. And this is just my interpretation of it, but I say that because we hear these grace notes. Grace notes are notes played very quickly and fleetingly. You also hear very quick passages and trills. Here, the Syrinx motif is the most somber version. It's an octave lower, it's super quiet and introspective, and develops into a repetition of just the notes of the motif without the strictness of the rhythm. And it feels like the ramblings of a madman. He's lost deep within his own thoughts and grief. Here is the original motif. is one of change, of adaptation. Right now in this moment, when a lot of us have a bunch of new spare time, we have the opportunity to reflect on how we consume classical music and challenge that by creating a more equitable platform to showcase artists and composers, especially those in the minority. There's never been a better time to try doing away with those antiquated notions of the stiff concert hall and create collaborations across borders. It's ultimately how classical music needs to adapt for the future, and we're in a part of the history that can rewrite and forge the way. 
This is just one person's interpretation of this one piece. Debussy himself even says, we should constantly be reminding ourselves that the beauty of a work of art is something that will always remain mysterious. That is to say, one can never find out exactly how it's done. I invite you now to listen to Cloud Debussy's theorems and create your own interpretations of this piece. Thanks for listening. To learn more about Crushing the Myth, visit www.crushingthemyth.com and their YouTube channel, which features video clips of all of their speakers' talks. If you enjoy listening to the stories of interesting people, check out my other podcast, Talking Taiwan. And if you love what we're doing with Crushing the Myth, let your friends know about the Crushing the Myth podcast. Or better yet, write us a review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. It will help get Crushing the Myth discovered.